Testing in progress. All right, friends, welcome. That's right, you were also just there. Oh my gosh, everyone's like... You had New York bagels, like in New York. We're having New York bagels exported, imported. Okay, all right, Kabbalah and Coffee. So here is the deal. First of all, Diane, welcome to your first Kabbalah and Coffee. At least here, I don't know if there's, it's, it is elsewhere. Okay, so Kabbalah and Coffee is all about exploring deeper dimensions of reality and life. Because Kabbalah, and I think I'll just do a very quick recap of what Kabbalah is. Kabbalah is a look at both the, um, what I would call the macro, as well as the micro. So Kabbalah seeks to expose and explore both what's going on out there in the larger world, larger reality, as well as what's going on inside our soul, which is interesting because we could figure out everything that's going on out there and still be completely unaware of what's going on in here, and that could cause us all sorts of trouble. And conversely, we could be very well aware of what's going on inside, but unaware of what's going on outside on a macro level, and that also could create somewhat of a liability, if you will, for our, just, just, just our lives and our effectiveness. So the goal of Kabbalah is to explore the spiritual dynamic that exists in the universe at large, as well as the soul that lies within. Last week, we started presenting, last week, we started presenting um, a, a new topic, not a new topic, but an angle on a topic, and asked a question that is absolutely thrilling. So, and I'll give you, a, let me set up the premise of the question once again, and then we're going to get into just an amazing answer today. So the premise of the question is that human beings are radically different than all other forms of life on this planet, right? The, the premise is that human, that human beings are very different. Now, it's, uh, I guess, to be expected that human beings would say this, right? I mean, like, there is maybe a little bit of a, um, of a bias over there, right? We're saying that we're different. But this is what our Torah says, this is what our tradition says, that human beings are not just another form of life, but are, that's, that human beings stand very distinct from all other forms of life. As I said last week, there are, there are four levels of life. Toba, good to see you. Wow, welcome. No, this is fantastic. Um, okay, and we have a copy for you. One of those, yeah, this one right there. Okay, so human beings are different than other forms of life, and there are four, according to Judaism, there are four categories of life. And this is going to be very important for today's discussion. I mentioned it last week, but it's important that we're all on the same page here. There's what's called domeim, then there's tzomeach, chai, and medaber. So again, I'll go through all four. Domeim means inanimate life. Domeim, actually in Hebrew, domeim means silent. So it's the type of life a form of life that is silent in the sense it doesn't move, it doesn't grow, it doesn't walk, it doesn't talk, it just sits there. What's a good example of domim, inanimate life? What's a good example? A rock. a rock, right. Not rock and roll, because that's, that already is movement, right? But a rock, just a rock. An even is sometimes referred to in Kabbalah as, a, as, an, as, as an even domain, a still silent rock. So domain means still and silent, but colloquial, what, it, what it refers to in this context is inanimate life. By the way, inanimate life could also be water. Water is inanimate. Even if it flows, 
it's not really growing, moving on its own. It's not self-propelled. It's, it's moving because of other forces and gravity primarily. Um, but it, 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 it itself is domain. A table is domain. A chair is domain. These are things that are just inanimate life. Not inorganic life, inanimate life. Then you have tzomeach, level two. What is tzomeach? Tzomeach is veg vegetation. Tzomeach is anything that grows. So anything that grows from the earth is tzomeach. I mean, that's an easy category. Trees, plants, grass, flowers, anything that grows. That's second level. Chai, third level, means life. And it refers to living animals, living creatures. Animals, birds, fish, anything alive that moves, with one exception, that is the human being, which is category four. The human being is called the medaber. It's interesting. And Kabbalah notes this, and we've talked about this many times, but it, I think it, it bears repeating. The human being is called medaber. What does the word dibur mean? Speak. Speak, talk. Midaber is the one who talks or the one who speaks. Midaber is the one who possesses the capacity to speak and articulate and communicate. So the human being is called the midaber. As to, in order to capture the human difference, if you will, Judaism says, what is the human being? The midaber, the, t the speaker, the communicator. And, and I believe that if you, if you and I were kind of drawing up the categories, if we had like, you know, a whiteboard or a white, you know, a big piece of paper, we were trying to like, okay, map out these categories of life and what we would call them, inanimate life sounds, sounds right, vegetation sounds right, animals sound right, but the human being, first of all, science, popular science, says that human beings are part of the animal kingdom. Okay, that's one distinction already. But if you wanted to somehow differentiate between the human being and animals, what would you say? What would be the most logical way of articulating that distinction? The most, well, one way, okay, speech, but that's, that's what we do. I'm saying, what's, what's the other, what's another possibility? Where, where, in, where does the human being differ from other forms of life? Intelligence. Intelligence. So one way of differentiating the human being would, would have been, would, would have been, it's not, but would have been, to refer to the human being as the maskil. The maskil is someone who has seichel. Seichel is intelligence. The maskil is the one who possesses, like middaber is the one who has, uh, who has speech. The maskil is the one who has intelligence, in so, fact. It's also a type of Animals have instincts, but... Uh, good, 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 exactly. Right. So maskil is, you have seichel, not just... Trying to remember the punchline. Yeah, I'm trying to remember there's a punchline to a joke or to a cute thing, and the, the punchline has to do with seichel. But seichel he doesn't have. That's a punchline. I don't remember how we got there. The point, uh, yeah, right? It's, yeah, <laughs> you had to be there for that. Right? So, like, the punchline is, but he doesn't have seichel. So, like, you know, that's, I don't know why that's funny, but I guess in a certain context. So what's the point? Most of the time, I think, when we think about human beings, we think about us and human beings in terms of intelligence. Human intelligence, human creativity. You want to call it creative intelligence. You want to call it, um, what do you say, reasoning? Joel, what do you say, reasoning ability? Yeah, you know, human beings are great storytellers. 
That's what I think. I think therein lies a very interesting type of. Uh, we can spin stories, whether true or false. We we take to right. We take pieces that happened, like real life snippets, snapshots, and we say, Ah, I know what happened. So right, we start drawing lines. We start mapping it on our mental board and saying, Aha, this happened. Then that happened. Then that happened. And it's because A, B, C. It's because of this, and we weave a tale for better, sometimes for worse. Right? We can create narratives that are completely fictional, but a great read in our heads about what somebody thinks about us, what somebody intended to do to us, what, you know, what we did, what they did. What we could spin a lot of narratives. Again, for better or for worse. It could, go, it could really work both ways. The point is that human beings have a level of intelligence that is dynamic and not just instinctual and this is in no way it's it's in no it's not intended to demean or put down any other form of life right or to say that hold on i see something's coming in um 50% off on vitamins <laughs> no not that this is a comment on the class this is not a pop up oh this is a great deal <laughs> Humans are part of the animal system, and animals also communicate with each other. Would you say that we have an ego? I believe you were talking about our ego. Okay, let's, let, I'm going to clarify that in a second. Because we'll, we'll talk about communication and, and the distinction of communication in a second. But first, I want to talk about what Kabbalah doesn't say. Kabbalah doesn't say that the human being is the masculine. Although, of course, we are. But that's not what we're called. That's not the official title of our book, so to speak. The title of our kingdom is not masculine. It's medaber. Even though masculine would seem to be an apt description. Masculine, we have intelligence that is very, you know, I, I, let's just be very honest there. Animals, with all of their intelligence, have, have yet to study us. Just think about it, right? We figured out that animals have a way of intelligence. We figured that out. Animals haven't gotten it together. I'm, this, again, I'm, I'm speaking a little bit. It's been kind of tongue-in-cheek to, to put us in the thing. I know the far side would love this, right? And I'm a huge far side fan. Gary Larson, right? I'm a huge far, right? far side flips the script. It's the animals running the show, and they're looking at the people in the field and the farms. It's hilarious. I love far side is great. Favorite far side ever, which I've tried to find, and I've, I think I've been unsuccessful unless I have found it. But my narrative is that I've been unsuccessful. I'm not sure which one it is, but it's the guy, security guard. You could tell he's like wearing a security badge, whatever it is. And he's, it's like, you know, Gary Larson was great. It's like one panel, one image with like a little caption, tells the whole story, right? So it's like the security guy, and he's like, he's dozed off. He's now sleeping. And there's like the big red button. Maybe it says the big red button. Or maybe it was red in the Sunday edition, and it was color. I don't remember exactly. The big red button, and that's like the, I mean, this is going back to when, Probably the Cold War was a thing, more of a thing or whatever we would call it, right? So like the big red button, you know, like, psh. and um, there's like another guy behind him. And this guy is drawn to be like this like silly, goofy guy, like the practical joke prankster. And he's got like, he's got like a paper bag, like filled up with air, and he's about to pop it in his ear. <laughs> and the caption is like the last time anyone ever played, like the pop, the... <laughs> pop the paper bag in the guy's ear joke, prank what's my point? I have no idea anymore no, we're talking about animals and human beings flipping the script and all that stuff look, there's a level of intelligence 
that I think we can comfortably say without it being about ego, without it being narcissistic, say that, look, there is a level of intelligence that we possess that, uh, that other forms of life simply don't possess. And yet, and yet, and yet, Kabbalah does not say that that is what the human being is. The human being is defined as the medaber, not the maskal, even though we have seichel, even though we have a level of seichel that other forms of life do not have. Is that because the, the uh, medaber, the ability to speak, is the next level highest? Uh, so it's one of the, the question that I'm asking, which is not my question. It's asked throughout mystical literature. The question, a really good question, always points us to the right answer. Not a great question, again, not judging, but, but a question that's not so great just puts up a wall and doesn't push us in the right direction. So this question is so good that it pushes us in the right direction, which is we must therefore conclude exactly what you said. If in Jewish literature and mystical literature, the human being is called the medaber, the communicator, when many of us would have believed that the prime feature of humanity is our ability to be wise and cognizant and self-aware and creative and narrative, all that stuff. When, when we would have thought that, it must mean, the only conclusion, ha the conclusion has to be, that dibur, that speech, is a greater quality than seichel. And now we just have to figure out why. But you're right. That's the process of the question. Is you know, the, the good thing about questions, good questions is that they close certain doors and force you to open up another door that you otherwise would not have opened because you would have been satisfied with, yeah, I'm comfortable right over here. But a good question, a good question doesn't just put up like walls everywhere and be like, all right, now you're stuck, now you're trapped, now there's nowhere to go. Actually forces you to go down a path and explore an option that you, didn't, that you, that you weren't thinking before. And that's, I think, extremely help, helpful and healthy. So. The conclusion, therefore, is, and, and I, I will say, you find this a lot. You find this a lot in the teachings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, where if you study his, you know, the, the insights on the Torah portion or the insights on Kabbalah or the and anything, the, the, sometimes the edited talks, you don't, when you read the transcripts of a Shabbat afternoon Fabrengen, where the Rebbe would, would take a Rashi and analyze it, the Rebbe would sometimes ask 12 questions plus on one two-line Rashi, on, on, on Chumash. Like a ra one Rashi comment on, on, on the Torah that's very basic. Rashi himself writes in his introduction. He's explaining this for the five-year-old who's starting to learn Torah, like the basic, basic meaning. And it's like people have read it for thousands of years. Uh, not thousands, sorry. Ram, uh, Rashi only lived eight, nine hundred years ago. But it's for hundreds of years. And, um, you know, it's very simple, straightforward. And the Rebbe would eviscerate it and come to a place where the conclusion is, we have to say, therefore, that Rashi was not talking about what everyone thinks he's talking about. He must be talking about something else. And it's like the questions point you to the direction. And then the only thing that's left is to figure out, okay, but what does it mean? Which is what we just did today, the process. The, the process is always the same. The process is, right, show how this can't be, therefore it must be that, but now we have to figure out how that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it can't be that Seichel is the highest because we're not called the Maskal. You have to say that Dibra is. But now we just have to figure out how or why that's so. So in short, here's the short version of this because otherwise it's going to get too involved. The short version of this is, and um, friend, you wrote about ego here 
and you're touching on it. I don't know if you meant it this way or not, but I'm going to use ego in this, in this construct. Seichel, intelligence, is a quality that speaks to our ego. That, or that speaks to our, maybe ego is misleading, that speaks to our yeshus, our self. The quality of communication, of deeper of speech, speaks to our ability to transcend self. Oh, let's use self and transcendence. There we go. Intelligence maximizes or enhances self. I know, I understand, I figured out, I've put these things together, I've been creative. It's, and I could, obviously it could be for someone else also, but primarily seichel, intelligence, is about self. Whereas communication is primarily about the other. And I could communicate what I know. I could communicate my seichel, my intelligence. I can communicate my emotions, my midas, my, my feelings. I can communicate all sorts of things. But at the core of it, communication means I'm not stuck inside myself, but I can share myself and, you know, to use a modern term, be vulnerable to someone else. Now, that doesn't mean that every conversation is always a conversation about vulnerability and sharing self in the deepest way. But the point of Medabra is that we have that ability. We have the ability to transcend the very boundaries, transcend the very structure of self. Seichel means that we can expand ourselves. We can grow ourselves, and that's lofty. But Dibur, speech, is even greater. It means that not only can we expand ourselves, we can transcend ourselves transcend ourselves by breaking through the natural limitation of self and sharing ourselves with another. Think about the greatest challenge to any relationship. And, you know, when I say the word relationship, sometimes we think of like, you know, um, romantic relationships or like a spouse relationship or a deep relationship. It could be any relationship, a work relationship, a business relationship, a neighborly relationship. The, the things that the greatest challenge to any relationship is... And it's a cliche, so it almost doesn't even feel like it means anything. But it's communication. And even when we think, well, yeah, I know that already, but I got this thing. That's also communication, right? Because if you go down to it, if you drill down to it, oftentimes it's simply about getting on the same page. It's simply about really understanding and, and feeling each other. And that happens That happens through communication. Now, does communication only mean verbal? No. It can mean verbal. It can mean written. There's also body language. There are many ways to communicate. When we say that the human being is the medabra, what it means is that we have the ability, the unique ability, to really share self to other. Now, you may be thinking, one second, but don't dolphins sonar squeak to each other or something? Don't uh, other forms of life, don't they also communicate? Yes. To what level of depth? We're probably still figuring it out. But we know for sure about the human being, we know for sure about the human being that we have the ability, not that we always do it, Sometimes we just tweet like birds, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Sometimes we tweet, and, you know, that's not always healthy, whatever we're tweeting, because it's not really. It's just to rile up the crowd, maybe, or whatever it is. Or to... All right, let me back off of that for a second. So the point is that human beings have the ability, we don't always do it, have the ability to really open up and collapse the boundary between self and other. To, if I were to use, I'm trying to use non-Kabbalistic terms to make it 
just so we're having a real conversation, if I were to use some mystical, some Kabbalistic terms here, I would say like this, that the soul has two dimensions. Every soul has two dimensions. There's the aspect of soul that is particular and the aspect of soul that is universal. You with me on this? There's, right, think about your soul. There's a part of your soul that's, I, that it's uniquely you. It's your soul. Perfectly designed for your body, for your station in life, which is true. And then you have an aspect of your soul that is not unique to you, that is a piece of God that is therefore connected to every other soul. Seichel, intelligence, touches on the particular part of your soul, and Deber, speech, touches on or draws from the universal part of your soul that therefore is, is in essentially and inherently connected with the other, which is where the ability to communicate comes from. So accessing communication, the reason why it's easier to philosophize, even in a conversation, than to really share, the reason is because it's easier to draw on your particular self than your higher universal self. That's the way it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. So again, this is just the, the language of Kabbalah. Yeah. So um, I got a couple of forks in the road that are in my head here that I'm trying to sort out here. The ability, the ability to, to speak, uh, is it that we are sharing? Our, I have three options here. Uh, about what the real essence of what we're talking about is. Is it is that we share ourselves, or we actually put out and share ourselves and cross the boundary from this limitation of only me to the other person? We share it. That's the first option. That's option one, yeah. Uh, second option is uh, we have the ability to articulate. Okay. We actually can do it. And the third one is, um, you know, can we just scribble? Um, <laughs> that, we are, that we are being able to access the universal uh, in others, uh, and in all of us, that we can do that. Can I give you a fourth option? <laughs> all of the above? <laughs> no, I think you're articulating in different ways, and I don't know that, that, that our online crew was able to hear what you said, but what Joel asked is, when we talk about the might, I'm using Hebrew terms, when we talk about the advantage or the, the quality, the quality of deeper, the quality of communication, are we saying it's that we... What was your first option? Ability or sharing with uh, another? That we, that we actually do. We share. Yeah. So is op so optional. I, I thought that's what you said. I wanted to make sure I got it right. The three things. So option one is that one actually shares with another and collapses the boundaries that, that otherwise, you know, makes two into one. That's option one. Number two, is it not that one is actually doing it, but one has the ability to do it, whether or not they actually pull on that. Or number three, that their soul has a part that has a universal aspect and not just a particular aspect. So I said, right, connect with universal. So I would say all three. When we talk about a person being a medaber, it doesn't mean that they actually have to do it to be in that category. A child, even before, although a child can communicate, well, all right, I don't know. I'm going to get myself... Uh, complicated over here, which I don't want to be. Anyway, the, the, the short answer is, even without actually doing it, a person is still understood to be of that ability. To be of that. And again, it doesn't, I, I think of, um, I think of Rabbi Yitzi Horowitz from California. Chabad Rabbi with ALS. 
who's had ALS for a number of years now. We had his wife speak by us a few years ago in the old Chabad house. And he, at this point, he, there's, he has no movement except for his eyes. And he is able to compose a weekly email, a Dvar Torah, a Torah email. He sends it out every week. He's, he's communicative with whatever he has left, whatever he has the ability. His mind is 100%. My son, Nassan, my oldest son, who some of you know, he is studying in Los Angeles now. And his, Yitz, Rabbi Yitzi's apartment, with, where he has full-time care, etc., is actually right next to the yeshiva. My son has helped out the minion in his room very, uh, many times this year. And he told me, he's like, it's the, it's, it's the craziest thing. His wife will come in, and she'll be like, Yitzi, you got to get out the email this week. She's like, it's like a functioning, it's... Well. And my point, of, my point of saying all this, first of all, he's an inspiration. And you can, you know, Google him and look up videos. It's just, he's just, there are no words that can do the, him justice on that level. But my, my other point is, the reason why I'm saying this is because communication is not limited to the mouth. And it's not limited to, to, you know, to touch. And it's not limited to, it could be as, I don't know what I, what I would say after as, it could be the eyes. Communication can happen on, on many, many different levels. And thank God for technology, obviously, that has allowed this to be a possibility. So is it, is it that we can articulate? It's that at the core, it's that we can collapse Again, why is it greater than intelligence? It might be another ability. That's the question in Kabbalah. That why are we saying that a human being is the medaber and not the maskal? It seems like seichel is like, you know, that we pride ourselves on our intelligence, our communication, all right, we're working on it. I mean, like, why is that the, the pride of the human race, medab, dibur, according to Judaism, Jewish philosophy and Kabbalah? It, it can't just be it's another ability that we have, because then why do we pick that one over that one? It has to be a greater ability, which, again, is the, the doors that close that lead us to this conclusion. Now we just have to figure out how that makes sense. So in Kabbalah, it says that why is it greater? Because the other quality in this context would, would be seichel. The other quality, which is intelligence, speaks to a person's, own, a person's ability to expand or enhance or enlighten or brighten whatever it is self. Whereas communication is the ability to break down the barrier between self and the other. That's at the core of it. It's to break down the barrier between one and the other. Wait, hold on one second, Dan. So I don't know when it was established that Jews should pray in a minion, but a long time ago it was established that community counts. Right. And that that's, I mean, otherwise there are people who do yoga and they meditate and that's all self. And this is not that religion or that, that... you know, philosophy or whatever. So, I mean, from early on, that was considered a primary yeah. purpose in Judaism. I think what you're saying is powerful. The idea of, of community. Even as Judaism has elements that are solitary on some level, there is a space for study and meditation and personal growth, of course. But there is an emphasis, an emphasis on community. And I think that's very powerful. I think what you're saying is very powerful. You know, the, and, and, and I would say... Even the fact that when we pray, in the, in the laws of, of tefillah, laws of prayer, we're meant to actually 
speak the prayers and not just think them, not just look at the words and think them, but to actually verbalize them. There's a power in the, ver in the verbalization. And I, I know that I'm, I'm not trying to walk, second, I'm not trying to walk back what I said before about communication occurring in different ways, but there is a power in actual verbal articulation amongst a group, and I, yeah, the Kaddish, kind of a call and response type thing. It's powerful. It's powerful. Thank you. Well, I think you just answered my question. Ah, you see that? Um, see that? I don't, look at that. I don't even. <laughs> no, because other than speaking, other animals do have powerful ways of communicating. Um, but I know the power of community and minion. Right, so right. That is Have you ever had a conversation with a stranger on a plane or a train? It, sometimes those become the most illuminous, yeah. beautiful yeah. encounters ever. Yeah. It's. Yeah. I think of how, you know, in Chabad, the Rebbe really emphasized the idea of, of opening up a conversation. Excuse me, are you Jewish? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> would you like to do a mitzvah? If, you know, and, and if, you know, would you like to do a Jewish mitzvah? If not, you know, let's talk about, you know, let's schmooze about, uh, you know, universal stuff. It's powerful. It's about, get, it's about moving a person away from just focus on self and into a posture of, 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 of connecting with another, which on a spiritual level, again, is very powerful. It's about accessing the part of the soul. And I probably should, I realized as I was saying this before, I, let me, I said before, there's an aspect of the soul that's particular and an aspect of the soul that's universal. It's more than just aspect, aspect. It's the external level of the soul is particular, whereas the deepest part of the soul is the universal part. It's like the higher level of the soul is the more universal part. The lower level, the more external level, it's like as the soul descends through its tumble, right, through its cosmic tumble, it gains particular features. But that doesn't mean that it completely changes. It always remains, it always retains some of the original elements. And that's, what, that's at its core. All right, just to make things a little bit more Kabbalistic. Because after all, this is Kabbalah and coffee. Kabbalah says, Chamisha Shemais Nikra La. The soul has five names. Chamisha Shemais, five names. Nikra La, she is called. Soul is feminine. Soul is called five names. Nefesh, from, from down up, from bottom up. Nefesh. Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, Yechida. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, Yechida. The three lower dimensions are typically the ones that we are aware of. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama. Nefesh provides biological existence. Ruach provides emotional existence. And Neshama, Neshama provides intellectual abilities. So physiological or biological, then we have, that's lowest level nefesh, it's like basic life, then you have, we have emotional life and then intellectual life. But that's only naran, 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 nefesh ruach neshama. Chai, chai yechida, the higher two levels are the transcendent levels of the soul. They're known as makif, the trans transcendent levels. What does that mean? It's, it's not us, it is us. Transcendent in the sense that we're not usually aware of it. It's what we would call perhaps to mix, to mix disciplines, the subconscious dimensions of the soul. So there are the conscious levels of the soul, like you know what you're experiencing, 
feeling about it and thinking about it, hopefully, more or less we're aware. That's Naran, Nefeshuk, Neshama. Chayichida are like this subconscious dimensions of the soul. And Chayichida touch on, although there's the subconscious dimensions of our soul, they also, because they're more transcendent, they touch on a more universal aspect of the soul that is also related to the other soul. Not because, you know, not like this, not like ink on paper, two separate entities but are in very close proximity to each other, but because they are essentially one. Because they're essentially one. It's not a forced unity, it's an organic unity. It's an inherent unity. In other words, it's a unity that we could say was one before it was two. That's powerful. It's a unity that was one long before it was ever two. Let me just say that in clear language. My soul and your soul were one before we ever differentiated and became two different people. It's a unity that precedes the diversity or the disunity. Now, accessing that is the highest thing a person could do, is the highest ability. Because to, to, to maximize oneself, sure, that's nice. It's nice. But to break through the structure of self and to touch on the essence core, the core essence of the soul, which is one inherently, essentially, organically one with the other, yeah, that's a little bit bigger. That's the Oh, completely opposite. Completely opposite. Which is why, by the way, which is why, and this is not a plug. I mean, is it going to be a plug? All right. Which is why we're doing a course called Meditation from Sinai next month. Oh, really? Could we sign up now? <laughs> now you're making it sound like a commercial. No, seriously. Be, to, to highlight the distinction between an, I'm going to call it Eastern slash pop meditation and spirituality, versus Kabbalah and, and Jewish meditation and spirituality, we're doing a six-week course on this. And, and a lot of it, some of it, a, a central piece of it has to do with what we're talking about now. What day of the week is it? Tuesday nights and Thursday afternoons. Two options. There's a Zoom option and an in-person option. January 25th and 27th. Yeah. You can check. check on the, I, think you're, I think you're in on this. Yeah, yeah. Well, you should probably know about this. <laughs> All right. So back to our story. So this is. I mean, we're still. This is still by way of introduction. I mean, this could be the whole class, right? But this is by way of introduction. So there are four levels of life. Let's just reset. It. There are four kingdoms, four dimensions of of life on Earth. Right? This is not even spiritual stuff. This is just like right here. We have domain, Tzomeach, we have inanimate life, vegetation, growth life. We have animal life, and animal life is different from vegetation, is that not only does it grow, which animals grow, from, we also grow, from, from small to large, but they also have lateral movement. If you see a tree walking, it's either a play for the kids, right? Or you took something, yeah, right? Lay off the mushrooms, right? I know it's popular now, but I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, that's probably what's going on. So, yeah, they don't move. So chai is life that moves. Medaber is our oh, next level. This is like the ability to break out of self. However, we have a problem. Houston, 
we got a problem. What's the problem? Last week, we presented the problem. I'm going to reset the problem. When you look at, when you look at how the world, when you look at the process of creation, the human being's process is different than, everyone, than every other form of life's process, which would seem consistent with, with everything that we're saying, because the human being is radically different. But it seems different in a negative way, not a positive way. You already know how this works, right? We ask a question and that forces us to a different, to a new, right? So you know the process here. I'm just, I'm, I'm just telling you, this is the meta version of, of what we're, we can get into it, but you just know what the process of what's going on. Keep that in mind as, as I ask the question. All right, what we see in the, in the story of creation is something very interesting. Every form of life begins alive, emerges alive. And if you joined us last week, then this sounds familiar because we literally talked about this last week, but again, just resetting it. So when God, if you look at the story of creation in the Bible, in the Torah, it says that God on day number three, Tache Desha, May the earth, let the earth sprout forth, forth vegetation, right? So, um, so vegetation emerges alive. It's growing, it's alive, great. Trees, by the way, the trees didn't listen. You know this, right? The trees didn't listen to God. God said, eights pre isopri. And what happened was pre isopri. Uh, What's the difference? God said, a fruit tree bearing fruit. And what actually emerged was a tree bearing fruit. What's the difference? Originally, God intended that the tree itself taste like the fruit. You know this Talmudic? Uh, yeah. Talmud says originally it was supposed to be an eitz pre. Eitz means tree, pre means fruit. It was supposed to be a fruit tree. Not just a tree that produces fruit, but the tree itself would taste like the fruit. Right? Like the bark and the bite. Mm. Not just the, <laughs> the The idiom. But the bark was supposed to have a bite. Supposed to taste like something. But the tree said there's no way this is happening. Because if we're tasty, everyone's going to eat the tree, and then we're done. So let only the, this is the first act of defiance. It's the first act, the first act of defiance. Anyway, God had a, such a hard time with everything. He's like, <laughs> it's, not easy. it's not easy. It's not easy. Anyway, he should have stopped with the elephants. Right. No, he kept on going with us. All right, that's what you get. There's one tree, eat every tree except for one. All right. What were, you, what were you expecting? All right, back to the story. So everything that emerges, emerges alive. The trees are alive. What was it? The fields are alive. That was something else. The hills are alive. The hills are alive. Oh, thank you. You knew where I was there. Right. The hills are alive. Everything emerges alive. The animals are all alive. And it's all in the, it's all in the psukim. It's all in the verses. You look at the verses, it was alive. When it comes to the human being, there's something radically different. What is different? It says that first... God created the human being from the earth. And then it says, that he blew, he, God blew into Adam's nostrils, blew, in his nostrils, nishmat, nishmat, nishama, nishmat chayim, a soul of life. So what happened before that? Was he alive or not? Was not alive. He was a golem. Good. Domain. Excellent. He was a domain. So what we have here is something unique. Something unique, and I'm going to use the Aramaic term, legreusa, seemingly. Legreusa means to the detriment. Not in, a, in an advantageous way, but in a detrimental way. 
everything is created alive. Like a mensch. I don't mean that literally. Right? No pun intended. No, no. Right? Everything is created alive. Ah, it's good to go. Human being is created dead. A dead body. I wrote in the email, if you got the email this week, if, you're, if you didn't get the, the email, let me know and I'll make sure that you get the email. You didn't get the email? Really? You didn't get the Kabbalah email? I think I sent it out on Friday. Did anyone get the email? You did get the email. Okay. All right. Listen, stop blocking me. And <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> so, look, everything is created. Oh, so I wrote in the email, I think I wrote lessons from a corpse. The human being is created domain, but it's, if we're just speaking with grub ISIS, with just, you know, coarse language, dead body. And only second, not secondarily, but as a second step, then the breath of life comes in. As opposed to every other form of life that's created alive. So we talk about the distinctiveness of the human being. And sure, yeah, speech and all this stuff, that's great. But then how do we reconcile this? It seems like the human being is... It's like an ugly ugly beginning. It's like, huh? It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. It's like a human... It's like imagine you're on the beach. I don't know. Not exactly. But then you... Something washes up. No, I mean, no. no, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm going to start it. We'll see where everyone takes it. No. I was just thinking, you know, you create like an outline of a... I don't know. I don't want to see the beach. Whatever. It's just like like a a clod of earth. And then there's a breath of life. Now, again, at the the end of the day, what, what emerges after the process is a live body. So one could say, who cares how it happened? But in Kabbalah, it's, it's analyzed. And the question is, why is everything else created in a one-step process, alive, initially alive, versus a human being that's created in a two-step process, first dead, then alive? He had second thoughts. Yes. <laughs> no, he had first thoughts. <laughs> Whatever. So the question is, we know, we know, that obviously this is going to point to some sort of myla. Myla means... Um, level, but it means um, quality. We know it's going to point to a quality. The question is, how do we see it? So let's jump into the new, into the new text today. All right, so please open up your books or the handout, and I, and I will put it up on the screen as well. This is Discourse 15, Chapter 2. Let me find it in my own book over here. Page 218. Okay. 218. Kanai Nahara, we're, uh, we're moving. We are moving and grooving. That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, ideally? Yeah. You need to, you know, you, no, I, I knew like two years ago. Right, yeah, I know, right? When we were, <laughs> when we were all coming around. Yeah. Ideally, Sanjin, will you be able to help? Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. So we're going to be in chapter 2, which is page 218, where it says man's advantage. I want to explain, I always, um, I always try to emphasize this. When you see things like man's advantage or God created man, which is going to be a lot in this, it's not gender specific. Man is written to, it's really, it really means mankind. For whatever reason, it was written man... 
If I were writing this or rewriting this, it, it would be a little bit different, but it is what it is. It, it, I mean, this is, this is what it says. Okay, let's um, weekend with Bernie. Okay, exactly. Um, classic. Let me share my screen. Let's make sure everyone's got it. Chapter two, man's advantage. Here we go. So we asked the question, why is the human being created as a two-step process as opposed to a one-step process? Why first dead, then alive? Why first a corpse and then a soul of life? And that seems to be to our detriment. That seems to not be a complementary feature. It seems to be, you know, some sort of um, strange inadequacy. If the human being is truly head and shoulders above everything else, you know, the medaber, the connector, the one that can really, you know, collapse the, 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 the gap between self and, and other. So then what's, what's going on over here? So here we go. The reason why, I'm just going to read this inside, the reason why God differentiated the formation of man's body from the formation of all other living creatures, right? Why is it that, that the human being is, is created, is formed differently than everything else? Which, namely, after the M-dashes, he's explaining what that distinction is. The other creatures being created in their character and structure. In other words, the other beings created alive. While man was created of the dust of the earth, first his body was created and then his soul was granted him. So why is this so? So he says this, and this was obviously the conclusion, but we just don't understand why. But the obvious conclusion is that this is not a debasement of man. In other words, it's not a... Oh, he uses the word here. Ene ligreusa. You want to see what greusa looks like in the, in the Aramaic? It's uh, one, two, three, four, five lines in on the Hebrew side, the, th the fourth word. Ene ligreusa. It's not a detriment. Here it's translated as debasement. It's not, it's not a, it's not a, um... say it again? Yeah, it's not a put down of man, of the human being. But indeed, it's a quality. It's not a chsarin, it's a maila, it's lama malyusa. It's, it's an advantage. Mm -hmm. In addition, now we haven't explained it, he's just stating what it is. In addition, his very creation from the dust, and, and in such a way that he's not alive at the beginning, indicates the lofty nature of man's soul. In other words, not only is the two-step process not a negative, but a positive. But the fact that initially we are but dust actually indicates how great the soul is. And now we're thinking, how does that work? Like, well, how, how does that logically make sense? Let's keep on going. To explain, and this is what I was explaining earlier, there are four general divisions of creatures, four kingdoms of life on this earth. Domain, oh, here we go. If you want to see how to spell it in English, I mean, not like that is the spelling, but this is a transliteration of it. Domain, inanimate life. Tzomeach, vegetation life. Chai, animal life. And medaber, and the human being. The lowliest, the, the lowly, well, can't say that. The lowliest, the lowest, is the domain. Inanimate. The most exalted is the medaber. The communicator, the human being. Man's uniqueness as the select of creation, and that's a phrase from our sages, Bechir and Avraim. In other words, the, the top, top of the food chain, so to speak. Man's uniqueness as the select of creation led to the unique method of the formation of the body. Listen to this. Because the human being has such a great quality, right? That's why the body is created in such a way. We haven't yet explained it, but, 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 but hold on. He's just, 
The very stuff of which God formed his body, dust of the earth, the most gross of all matter, in other words, the lowest, deadest substance, and it wasn't alive. It's not like it was live earth, whatever that means. It was dead, just earth. Right, there you go. Right, the lowest indicates the fact that the body is, is of the lowest indicates that his soul, that the soul is the loftiest of all. And here, after this comma, is the main idea. For there is a principle that the highest of all descends lowest of all. In the Hebrew, kol ha-gavaya, gavaya that which is high, truly high, yored lamata mata yoser, descends low, low, descends to the lowest. Highest goes to the lowest. He gives an example which we're going to read, and then I'm going to stop and kind of, we're going to schmooze about this. When a stone wall collapses, the lower stones fall close to the wall, while the topmost stones fall, the, fall at the greatest distance from the wall. The higher the stone was, the further it falls from the base. Okay? So, we have a wall. This is not a stone wall. This is a, a book jacket, right? The wall falls the higher falls further from where the wall was, further from the base, from this, the space that it was. What's the language, what, what's, what's the popular phrase? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Kind of, sort of, but it's really the, the taller they are, or the, the, the loftier they are, the lower they fall. To explain what this means, other than just gravity and physics, to explain what this means conceptually, let me give you an example. <laughs> If you are running an operation, and when I say an operation, I don't mean like a company, but I mean a military operation, spy operation, some sort of high stakes situation. And you need someone to infiltrate the enemy, go behind enemy lines and gather intelligence and bring it back. You really need, you, know, you, you got, there's, there's, like, this is high stakes, life and death, and you really need someone on the inside. Who are you going to send? Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> That's who you're going to call. <laughs> Something strange. Who, right, who are you going to send? You're going to send your top, your top person. You're going to send your top people into the most difficult mission. That's the point. That's the VAR. That's the idea conceptually. You send your top people to the most difficult places. You don't send the Frisco kid. I saw part of it last night. <laughs> You don't send the schmendrick, right? You send the sh you don't send like your least capable uh, um, officer, whatever spy, into the most difficult task. Like what do you do? Like that doesn't even make sense. So to the lowest place, the most difficult challenge, who do you send? The top. So listen to this idea, and it's just simple, almost cabalistic arithmetic. If you have a body. That's so low, it's dead. Which, what type of life can bring life to that? You need the highest. You with me on this? So the, low, the lowliness of body indicates slash forces slash necessitates a loftier soul. Does that make sense? In order to, in order to draw out the lowliest or elevate the lowliest? Yes. On a basic level to give it life, but on a deeper level 
to, to make a mensch out of a clod of earth, which is what he's about to say. He's about to get into what human beings are capable of and say that everyone is cap on some level is capable of that. How do, how do we not all fall into that? Because of the neshama, because of the soul. And that soul has to be very, very good at what it does. That soul has to be very high to, to deal with the lowliness of this body. And we're assuming that we have this vision, this goal of, of elevating the human beings to a higher level. And that's what it has to be. That is a, that is a Kabbalistic premise. Yeah. Right. So again, let's walk through the steps. We start off by saying, ah, oh, the human being, radically different in a good way than everything else. Then our question is, radically different in a, a good way, I see radically different in a bad way. Human beings created with just a dead body without a soul, and then the soul comes in almost secondarily. It seems like that's, that's like a low, it's like a lowly thing, right? What was the whole Steve Jobs said a few years ago? He's like, unibody construction. It's like, it's all together. It's this cohesive, coherent thing. Two steps, seems like a weakness, not, a, not, a, not an advantage. So now we're saying, no, the lowliness of body, the deadness, the low, the low, dead nature of body actually bespeaks, actually tells us about how lofty the soul is. So you know what the conclusion here is? And, and we're, we're, we haven't concluded this at all. We're still right at, we're right at the beginning of this explanation. But just if we're, if we're noticing things right now, you'll notice that the human being actually has, the human being is an extremist. The lowest body the highest soul. Are you with me on this? Yeah. The human being is an extremist. Composite of extremes. The lowest body, not like the body of animals that was born alive, with the soul already good to go. Right? Batteries included. This is batteries not included. Right? Like many people may have found out yesterday morning. No, batteries not included. Yeah? Lowest body... Now you're going to say, well, not, how is it lower than domain itself, than earth itself? Okay, it's not, but vis-a-vis -vis living creatures, it's the lowest body, right? Because every other living creature's body was born alive, including vegetation and animals. But the human being, nope. Lowest body. But, but on the other side, the highest soul, which is the only, way, the only thing that can give life to such a low body, is the highest soul, Kalagavaya. Whatever's the highest goes to the lowest. The lowest needs the highest. As I said, the risky mission, you need someone who's an expert. You need the, it's gotta, it's gotta count. So the lowliness, this is the, this is the math. This is the balanced math of, of, of Kabbalah. It's the lower we put the body, the higher we're understanding the soul to be. So the human being is a composite of two complete, diametrically opposite forces. One part of us that's pulling us to the lowest of depths, the other part that's putting us, pulling us to the greatest heights, yeah, we're in the middle. And we got to choose. And this is a moment-by-moment -moment choice. Are we going to live dust or image? As Rabbi Soloveitchik once said, right? There's two descriptions of the human being. Dust of the earth. These are the two steps, right? Dust of the earth and in the image of God. The image of God is not the is not the is not the is not the clay uh, is not the earth form. The image of God is the soul. So are we dust or image? We're both. But at any given moment, you and I make that choice. Am I going to live in this moment, dust or image? It's a choice. It's a nice way of of you know keeping it in your pocket at any moment. Is this a dust choice or an image choice? Right? Am I am I walking? Am I putting forth my lower self? 
or my higher self, to use very, you know, easier language. Okay, so this is the idea. The idea here is that the, that the two-step process of creating the human being, where we first have just a dead body, a corpse, essentially, and then life goes in, indicates not, the, not a negative, not a, not a lowliness of body, of the human being, it is lowliness of body, not a lowliness of the human being, but a value or a, a superior quality of the human being, in that the soul is the greatest of all. Let's, let's continue because I feel like I want to, there's a lot more here that's going to help. This applies, middle paragraph on 220, this applies spiritually as well. In reference, okay, so hold on. Let me explain why he's saying this applies spiritually as well. If we already did that, I did that. But he just spoke about walls and stones. So now he's getting back to, the, to, 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 the, to, the, to our topic. This applies spiritually as well. In reference to the souls of all living things. Since man's, human being's soul, is loftiest of all, God gave it a body of the most gross sort of matter. For man is capable of refining and purifying this gross matter. That's the idea. That's the big idea. The big idea here is that the body is so low, the soul is so high, and the soul's job is to refine and purify the gross matter that is the body. What's refining and purifying? So just to explain these terms, there's a bit of a silver, um, not silver lining, a bit of a silver purification process terminology here. In the Levar um, Ulezakech, the example that's brought in Kabbalah is when you purify silver. Now, this is with the full disclosure that I've never purified silver. I may have looked up a YouTube video at some point in the past trying to you know, explain this in more. So I'm trying to recall in my memory because it's been a while. But my understanding is that you actually heat the, heat the metal and that you put it through this process of smelting. Are we smelting silver or something? Maybe not. I don't know. Whatever. You heat it and then somehow refine it to take out the impurities to get pure and pure silver. I literally remember... Um, researching this. I don't remember exactly how it's done. I've, it's been a few years, but there's a process of refining and purifying. And the idea here is that that is life. Life is purifying, refining and purifying. It's about the soul being a positive influence in the body and little by little making a mensch out of, out of this body. I think I said this recently. When God says, let us make man in our image, everyone wonders who's the us. Let us make, God says, let us make man. Who's the us? So, so many answers are given. Number one, it's the royal we. God means me, but he's saying us, you know, as a way of speaking, so to speak. Some say he's speaking to the angels. Some say he's speaking to heaven and earth. But my, one of my favorite answers is that God is speaking to us. Let us make man. Because I can give you the raw ingredients, but you have to make yourself a mensch. Let us make man means let us make you a mensch. God's not going to do the work, right? I mean, God could do the work, but then that misses the whole aim. Huh? The, yeah. yeah, then that's not at all what this is. He, God already did that. He has angels. Angels are perfect, pure, spiritual beings, no flaws. God already had that. Clearly, God wanted something more, and that is a lowly body with the highest of souls, even higher than the angels, Right? Because the angels can only exist in a spiritual environment. Are you with me on this? The angels are those, are those officers, official spies that can exist in friendly, you know, in, in friendly territory. They can't go down. The Haraya, the proof is that they didn't come down. 
Are you with me on this? Yeah? Souls are higher than angels. Human souls are higher than angels. Because they go down into enemy territory. They're entrusted with this task of going down into enemy territory. That doesn't mean we're always successful. It means we have the ability. Choice, this is where choice comes in. We have the ability. We have the loftiest of souls, the lowliest of bodies, and the point is to make a shirach, to make the most impossible shirach, make the most impossible match ever conceived. This is, honestly, it's a galechter. It's, it's, like, it's like it's a joke. And not in a good way. This is like, this is like a... Um, it's an irony. It's, it's irony, right? It's, like, it's, it's very dark humor. You're taking the loftiest and putting it here? The answer is yes. And it's not because God has a sense of humor. It's because God wants us to make ourselves a mensch. And that's what he continues. Hence, in the nature of mankind, he's about to get into the vices of human beings in general terms. But you, you and I, we can use our imaginations, unfortunately. Hence, in the nature of mankind, we are witness to some who have evil characters far worse than wild beasts of prey, God forbid. Understand what he's saying here. The body of the human being is capable of more horrific actions than any wild predatory animal on the face of the earth. There's nothing that could go as low as a human being because of the lowliness of body. Nothing has a lower body and therefore lower potential. Are you with me on what, what, what he's saying here? Just the structure of, of where he's taking this. I'm going to start again. Hence, in the, in the nature of mankind, we are witness to some, some people, who have evil characters far worse than wild beasts to pray, God forbid. Listen to this. Listen to this. This was written before the Holocaust. Wow. Right? It's written before the Holocaust. And you can imagine, just, okay. They are clever in devising ways. Clever means they, they're using human intelligence to devise ways to oppress others to make others uncomfortable or to harm them. They can rob or kill in order to gratify their own desires. By the way, I will say this. I've, I've been, when I prepare this class, I do it in the Hebrew side. So sometimes the English is, you'll hear me sometimes say, like, oh, I don't, I'm sometimes surprised by the English. The English is, is um, it's, it's not as, it's not as strong as the Hebrew. It's, um, it's making it a little bit, a little bit nicer. Really? It's, it's uh, what's the word? I'm sanitizing it a drop. Uh -huh. Generally, this comes from the evil, generally, this comes from the evil tendencies of the body. And generally makes it sound like, but particularly the soul is really behind it. That's not what he means. He doesn't mean like, like, in most cases it's the body, but in some cases it's the divine soul that's robbing and killing. That's not what he means. He means is, like this is from, generally is a bit of a, generally this comes from the evil tendencies of the body. And the evil tendencies of the body have or can have an evil effect on the soul. Let's continue. The causes, nope, the causes, this causes the body. Mm. Oh, it's corrected by you? You got a later edition. Good. I don't know someone like Henry. Oh, someone Henry. I have a used book. Oh, oh, interesting. Wow, very nice. Okay. This causes, so somebody actually read through all, every line. That's very <laughs> impressive. This causes the body to dominate the soul. The intellect is then used to carry out criminal schemes. He's, I just, I feel like I need to 
Let's just break this down so that it's in our language. Because he's speaking very strongly here. He says, you know where you see the lowliness of body? You see this in human beings who can do the most devious and horrific actions to hurt human beings for their sadistic pleasure for, in, in a way that's cruel, in a way that uses the intelligence, the human intelligence, the aforementioned human intelligence, which is still limited to ego and therefore susceptible to corruption because it's still the self part of self. So can use intelligence to figure out how to inflict the most, the, the worst pain on someone else. Are you with me on this? Yeah, and we, unfortunately, we all very aware of examples of this. Unfortunately, I would say. But the soul, that's the body. And the soul. But the soul is intrinsically of the highest quality. The body is of the lowest. Which animal sadistically plans? An animal will kill when it's hungry. But in order to inflict pain on someone else, on, on something else, to derive pleasure from another's pain? I, I'm not an animal expert. I do not believe, I don't believe that that's that. I've never seen animals create killing machines. An animal never, never created a holocaust for the sake of, of extermination. I don't believe so. If I'm wrong, I, you know what? Please don't correct me at this point. I'd rather think, uh, yeah. But human beings are uniquely capable of the most horrific actions. That's his point. And, you know, I, I, it's actually unfortunate that it's a little bit sanitized over here. Human beings are capable of the most horrific actions. Why? Because the body is of the lowest. Therefore, it has the lowest capabilities. Conversely, and this is where the... the the polarity, if that's the right word, of the human being comes into play. But the soul, on the other hand, in the other extreme, is intrinsically of the highest quality. And it is within man's grasp to, to attain the noblest heights of goodness and to rise to the most exalted summits of the spirit. A human being could rise to the highest levels, and as he'll say on the next page, even higher than an angel, even higher than an angel. Due to the soul. There is an account. I'm looking at the time here to see if I have time to do this. There's an account in Reshit Chachma of one who rose from the lowest degradation to spiritual peaks. The story is told in Reshit Chachma. I'm going to paraphrase it. It's in the footnote 276. I'm going to paraphrase it. It's about this. Um, oh, you know what? Let's, let's do this. 276. Rabbi Yitzhak of Akko wrote, he was the, the author of Reisha Chachma, one day, as a, one day as a princess emerged from the bathhouse, an idler noticed and sighed loudly, who will place me in her possession to do with her as I wish? Okay. Clearly, he had intentions that were not, shall we say, pure or decent or anything. That, that'll be in the cemetery, not here, responded the princess. Okay. Upon hearing this, the man's spirit soared, assuming that she meant to tell him to proceed to the cemetery and wait for her. <laughs> However, she didn't mean that at all, but rather that in the cemetery, all are equal, the small and the big, the young and the old, the embarrassed and the, uh, and the honored, but not anywhere else. For those of you online, uh, my apologies, I, I uh, didn't scroll down right away. We're in footnote 276 right here. Okay? For a princess, the public could not come close to her. So this guy says, oh, I would love to be with her, but he uses much more... 
grub a language, grub meaning coarse and etc. And she says in the cemetery, I guess she overheard him or whatever it is, and he thinks she's being serious, and now he's got something going here. And she meant, yeah, when we're dead, maybe we'll be on the same level, like in your, like in your dreams, in your dreams <laughs> but kind of like in your dead dreams, like that's not, it's not happening here. So the idler got up, went to the cemetery. This is page now 222. Went to the cemetery and waited. So now this guy's at the cemetery. Meanwhile, he set his mind on her and constantly pictured her appearance. He removed his thoughts from all other feeling and flooded his mind with her and her beauty. So the obsession was real. And he could not think of anything else other than her. So there was a meditative, and you'll see where this is going in a second. There was almost a meditative. It starts off like very coarse and lowly and debased, right? Very grub. But it moves almost to, toward a meditative state where, um, where he's almost like meditating on her and blocking out everything else. So day and night he remained in the cemetery, eating, drinking, and sleeping there. If she won't come today, she'll come tomorrow, he said to himself. This went on for a long time. Now, let's continue. His immense separation from all physicality due to his constant thoughts about this one matter, coupled with his isolation and absolute craving, had a profound effect on him. And now, again, the profound effect is now framed for the positive on some level. His soul became separated from the physical and became bound up with the intellectual until it separated from every physical matter, even the princess, and became attached with God. Now, this is, this may sound like, huh? I, I, we were following the story and now, like, like it's veering. I don't know if I can explain it. I, I, don't know if I, I, I don't know that there's anything I can do to explain it more than what this is saying. This is, it's a parable. I think it's a parable, right? Oh, it's an account. I'm sorry, maybe it's real. Maybe it's a real story. After a few days, let's continue. After a few days, it, 223, it left all physical feeling and yearned only for godly intellect. He became a devout worshiper, a holy man, and his prayers were accepted and his blessings effective. He was a tzaddik. Many merchants would make a point of stopping by to receive his blessing, and he became famous. Okay, so... It happens. It happens, right? I think the point is, what's the point? The point is that we have both extremes. And here's an extreme example, even if I... I've read this before, I've, read, I've, I've counted this a number of times. I don't know if I can break down exactly the process and how the alchemy works of how you go from you know, one to the other. I don't know that I can like, break it down on that level. The, 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 I don't think the point is actually to break it down on that level. I think the point is just to, to, to highlight a very, a very important truth about the human condition, and that is that we have the capacity to be extremely low. And we have the capacity to be extremely high. And those are not two different people. Those don't have to be two different people. It reminds me, I don't remember the rabbi's name, the one you've brought here several times who works with addiction. Shays Taub. Right, who just He's amazing. people from yeah. the lowest, lowest, and is able to get them to that point where it's a spirit that the higher elements of their soul yeah. guide them. And yeah. And even to illustrate that, that the addiction is very often, if not always, about trying to fill a God-sized hole and not, not, and not filling it with, you know, and, and, and filling it with things that don't actually fill that, that space. Rabbi? Yes. Um, it seems like we're changing nomenclature. So now we're saying 
that man could be lower than animal, but we've been talking up to now about animal soul, our own animal soul. Right. Right. Animal soul is still the spirit, is still the, the infusion of, of spirit that is in the animal. Whereas we're talking now, not, not so much about the animal soul, but the body itself. The body itself, by virtue of its lowliness and being created without a life spirit, without a, without a soul, without a higher soul, the body itself, and maybe even without that animal soul initially, the body itself has a lower capacity. The bottom of the body, is, of the human body, is lower than the bottom of the animal. But you're right, the animal soul would be a, a, a force that is common, the common denominator between us and animals. But, it's, but there's still a level of, 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 of more... The, the ability to go down, is, it's, it's a lower ability. The floor is lower for the human being. There's another angle on this on the next page. Why, why a human being can be worse than an animal. And that is because of the, the mispotential. Right, if we have intelligence and we don't use it and we act like an animal or sometimes worse, that's even worse. Compounded by, compounded by the fact that we had the ability, a higher ability, and didn't utilize it, that makes it worse. But that's already an, an answer that has a bit of a spin. I think what he's saying thus far is that the bottom of the human being is lower than the bottom. The, the, when I say bottom, what I mean is the, the lowest that we can go is far lower than any... I mean, look, which animal created mass killing machines? It's not even, which animal tortures other animals for the sake of torture? I, I, I don't see it. If your question is, but how could that be if we have an animal soul and that's what other animals have? So the answer is because we have a body that no other animal has. A lower body than no other animal has. We have a lower potential, straight up. I mean, I read this, I mean, I don't, I don't even want to give examples. Yeah, the, the capacity of evil in human beings Let's just speak very oh, honestly. The capacity for evil in human beings is, is infinitely greater than the capacity of evil, if it even could be called evil, on a, within any other form of life. Is, it, is a lion that hunts its prey evil? Survival. 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 Now, if a human being does that, we would say, Uber Eats, like, what are you doing? Like, you don't, like, what, like, bro, like, what are you, like, that's... That's crazy. Like, what are you doing? So even on that level, even if it's parallel, it's worse for the human being, which is what I'm going to say the next page. But it's not just parallel is worse when you're a human being. There's a lower bottom. Straight up, there's a lower bottom. I wish it wasn't so. But we don't live in a world that we, we don't, it's not like we don't know what's going on here. And sometimes we see that person has no soul. You know, right. Thinking, like, we don't want to believe that. <laughs> and we elevate <laughs> qualities of animals and our pets, and it's a beautiful thing. But they don't go as high as the human can go. They maintain a sweet devotion, a faithfulness right. that's beautiful. But the potential for humans is so much bigger. The, trans the, 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 the ability, and really what it comes down to, in this, at least in this conversation, is the ability of that soul, the human soul, to transform the lowest into a mensch. No, you know what it means on a very basic level, just straight talk? It means you want to do something, you really want to, 
but you can hold yourself back from doing it. Mm -hmm. The marshmallow test. The marshmallow test. Marshmallow experiment, right? That is the hallmark of a human being. That's when you say, oh, that person's a mensch. They could have taken advantage. They could have done it. They didn't. That's a mensch. You would never hold an animal accountable. Going back to this example that I'm giving, you would never say the lion should not have pounced. Because the lion was hungry. What are you going to do? The lion's a lion. But a human being, you say you're held to a higher standard. Again, th that's the... That's the, that's the the other side, that's the higher side. The lower side is that we have a lower potential, lower capacity. The higher side is we have a higher potential capacity. We have the ability to degrade, maybe not degrade, to go lower, to, to, to commit actions and acts that are lower than anything else could have committed, could have th even thought of committing. And on the flip side, we have the ability to... to refine ourselves, refine that very coarse and grub and, and, and lowly body in a way that nothing else can. Let's go to the next page and let's close this out. We have two, yeah. Um, so is there a difference between uh, the, the rocks and soil and the mountains that God creates just uh, without the mineral, you know, without the bacteria in it, just the pure soil, that soil in the soil that was created to create us. Yes. Is there a my, there is a life force. Okay. My understanding is that that's, that, that, he didn't say this. This is my understanding. I've kind of alluded to this a few times before. This is my understanding. I could be wrong. My understanding or belief, at least, is that the domain, the literal domain, has a nefesh has a nefesh hadomemet, whatever you want to call it, has a has an inanimate soul. Whereas right. the human being is meant to have a godly soul, sans godly soul, I don't even know if it's an inanimate soul. Maybe you could call it that, but it's it's lower. It's lower. Anyway, it's a good question. That's how I understand it. Let's let's do a beeline because I know we're right at the time here, so we're gonna go quickly. It's very, very simple and it's nothing, you know, philosophical and nothing um, Brand new here. It's all just kind of re-emphasizing what we've said up until now. And as angel, as animal and angel, here we go. Now we can understand, 222 at the top. Now we can understand the words of our sages in Chagiga. It says six things were said regarding man. In other words, there are six qualities of the human being. Three as the ministering angels and three as an animal. We have, we have three qualities that mirror. Three qualities that mirror human uh, angels and three qualities that mirror um, animals. If you want to know what those are, um, human beings have intelligence like, an like angels, they walk upright like angels, and they speak in the holy tongue like angels. In three ways, they're like animals, they eat and drink like animals, they multiply like animals, and procreate, and they emit excrement like animals. Okay, so that, if you want to know the nitty-gritty of what those th six things are, three and three, that's that. That's from the Talmud. But the point here is not about the specifics of this, but the polarity, if that's the right word, of the human condition, that we have... And a body that's low and a soul that's high. So there are things in which we're like angels, things we're like animals. But really the point here today is it's lower than an animal and higher than an angel. Let's go, right? It's not just, if we want to speak in generalities, it's like, yeah, like an animal. like. A, but no, the body's lower than an animal's created alive. We weren't. So it's lower. And the angels couldn't come down here. Our souls did. That means that you send the, your top, your top uh, secret forces or whatever it is, your Sayer Tamat you send the top into the enemy territory. All right, back inside. Man's bodily nature and tendencies are animalistic. A human who behaves like an animal is actually lower than an animal because it has no intelligence while man does. 
That's what I said before. Even if it's the same behavior, we still say, what's going on? You have seichel. And the, 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 right? Why would you do that? Due to his nature and tendencies, man is like the ministering angels. On the other side, for he can attain the very lofty spiritual heights. When man grows in intellect, he rises higher than the angels, and that's how it's higher. So we can be lower than the animals and higher than the angels. The angels exist in a spiritual world. Right? The angels exist in a spirit. The angels are delicate. They have to remain in a spiritual world. As a saying, when Moses, when the angels said to the angels said to Moses at Mount Sinai, the angels said to God, Why are you giving the Torah to human beings? Leave it here in heaven. And God says to Moses, Answer them. And Moses says, Are you kidding me? I'm supposed to answer angels? God says, Give it a try. I'm paraphrasing. So Moses says to them, Did you open up the Torah? What does it say? It says, um, don't kill, don't steal, right? Don't commit adultery, don't, don't covet, etc. All these things, do not, do not, do not. Do you have a Yetzirah? you have any inclination? That you need to be told, don't do these things, right? That's what he says. Do you have a Yetzirah? Do you have an, an evil inclination? So angels don't have that. Why? Because they could, the implication here is because their spiritual level, if they were confronted with that, they would be vanquished on contact. It's like... It's like a delicacy, I don't mean food delicacy, I mean it's like a delicate nature. Snowflake. Yeah, that on contact, it's, gonna, it's just gonna, it's going to, it's, it's, it's gonna break, it's gonna get destroyed. It's too delicate, it's too fragile, that's a good word, fragile, it's too fragile for contact. You take an angel, put him in this world, it's, you're done. Right? But man, in his mundane environment, conceiving the most abstract of what we can know of God, in other words, you and I, with our bodies, our lowly bodies that are capable of God knows what. And we choose instead to conceive the most abstract of what we can know of God. In other words, come to Kabbalah and coffee every Sunday mornings at 9.30, <laughs> whose intellectual achievements impel him with a thirst to cleave to God, and now you're, hopefully you're inspired. So you and I are now towering above the angels. With his service, he elevates. Now, a next step is, and with his service, with action, he elevates the physical universe, not just the body, but actually elevates the universe itself. Now, we don't have time. We're at the end of the class. So I'm not going to now introduce this new concept. We're going to pick this up next time. Next week, please, God, and talk about next level, not just the soul vis-a-vis the body, but the soul vis-a-vis the body and the world. That's next time. But just know that the impact of the soul is not just on its particular body case, but it's on the whole world. Next, it is for this reason, this is it, last paragraph, as we conclude this question and answer and this theme for today, it is for this reason that man was created differently from all other creatures and his body is of the most crude and gross matter. Why? Why is it a two-step process? Why is the body so low? For his soul has the ability to bring light into the grossest darkness and to convert the darkness of the crude body to light. This indeed is the ultimate purpose in creating man and the descent of his soul into the physical world. Why do you think the soul is here in the first place? It is to refine and purify, using the language that we said before, it is to make a mensch out of the body. So in summation, wow, we talked about a lot today. Where to even start? In summation, here are some things hopefully we learned today. In summation, number one, We are the Medaber. We're not just the Maskil, we're the Medaber. We, it's, we don't only have the ability to think, we have the ability to communicate, which means that we have the ability to shatter 
the divide between us and others. Whether it's verbal or other forms of connection, we can connect in a deep, empathetic, real, and vulnerable way and thereby access a part of us that's not limited to self but is inherently connected with the other. The human being is created in a uniquely distinct, it's redundant, in a distinct manner from all other forms of life. Everything else emerges alive, the human being emerges dead, and only then is given life. The body is lower, and although that seems to be a detriment, and it is in and of itself, but that itself calls on the fact, that's the right phrase, that itself evokes, it, that itself even pulls the soul itself. It's like the vacuum that pulls the, the higher soul. The lower it is, it actually, not the God's force, but like it actually draws a higher source, a higher soul. So the lowliness of the body, the fact that it's so low and so dead, actually pulls the highest, loftiest soul. And for what purpose? To make a mensch out of the body, which is why we find, as he said, in human nature, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Right? Is that, is that the phrase? Did I get that right? Right? It's the, it's the best and the worst. The human being is, is a tale of two cities, a tale of two realities. Right? Charles Dickens? Yeah. A human being has, has, has both. We have the lowest body, capable of the most heinous, horrific, sadistic, evil actions. And it's all around us. I mean, all around. It's, you know... We know it's here, it's around, it's within people. People can do that, or capable of that at least. And at the same time, we're capable of the most noble things. Because the body is the lowest, the soul is the highest. We are an amalgam. We are a composite of polar opposites. Everything else is kind of like middle ground. It's just alive as is, what you see is what you get. You and I, human beings, here and there. And we are the arbiters. We are arbitrating between body and soul, between dust and image. At any moment, we can choose to call upon our lowest self and to react from our lowest space. Hopefully not, God forbid. Or we can call upon our highest, our highest self and act in a noble fashion. That's our choice. That's, that's what life is for the human being. That's why the stakes are so high. So I think the obvious message is choose wisely and be a mensch. All right, thank you for joining me today for a couple of coffee. Hope this was, hope this was, um, hope this made sense. Hope this was inspirational and hopefully a good way to start the week. I, I, I enjoy being with all of you. So I can't think of a better way to start my week. So thank you for being here with me. And um, I would say the next Kabbalah class is next year, but that's, of course, the, the old joke, right? Oh. 2022. What is, um, what's the date? I know, crazy, right? Who, I remember yeah. 2000. Uh, very well. So what is, um, what is next week's date? January what? Second. Oh, so it's right after January 1st. That tends to be the way. Okay, listen. I, <laughs> let's intend on doing it. Watch, check the email. If you're not on the email list, let me know, and we'll, uh, we'll make sure that you get on it. Rabbi. Yes. This was, I mean, it 
accept everything you said today, but it does imply to me that after God set this out, he's out of the picture. So Toba's asking, where does God play a role in this? It seems like now we're just, we got this body, we got this soul, and we're figuring it out. Where does God come in? Right? Does God still have an active role in us? That's the, I mean, that's the question. But he doesn't help us as a people if there's evil people against us. Where is he? <sighs> right. So, he's so. supposed to inspire the evil people. To be, you're know, asking a good question. I feel like you're asking the question that I am not qualified to answer. Okay. Which is, I, and I, 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 I hate to say it, but I'm not qualified to I think your question is how can, well, how or why does God allow abject evil to exist in this world? Why wouldn't God intervene, perhaps, to stop the evil from happening? If someone is planning and creating a holocaust, well, how come God doesn't step in? And I think that we've learned, I, the, here's, the way I, the, here's the way I understand it. This is not going to answer your question at all. I'm not, this is not an answer. But this is a, an understanding that, that just is what it is. And that is that God intervened once with evil, with an evil machine. Stories in the Torah, we're getting to it right now in the book of Exodus. God intervened once to let us know what is right and what is wrong. And then he says to us, now you guys figure this out. Now you know that this is wrong and this is right. I know it would be great if God fixed everything and made it perfect. But that's honestly, that's where the angels are and that's where the souls are before and after. And there's, there's plenty of time for that. This time, there's this one small, really small fragment, really small fragment of time in which the soul is married with this body, which makes no sense for the one exclusive purpose of not becoming famous, not making money. Not, that's not why it's here. The soul is married to this body for one reason, and that is to be a mensch. The question of why wouldn't God stop someone from not being a mensch that would subvert the whole, the whole, the whole operation. I, I, I'm not trying to. So, what is God's role? Yeah, uh, I don't know. God's figuring stuff out. Yeah, God is doing other stuff. The Talmud says, "Hakol bidei shemaim chutz miyir shemaim." Everything. Hakol bidei yad. Hakol bidei. Everything is in God's hands, chutz, with the exception of yirat shemaim, the fear of heaven. What does it mean, fear of heaven? Like afraid? It means except for our moral choices. Every, God controls everything, even the fact that we encounter a challenge, even that fact that we encounter someone else who's not acting like a mensch in our day-to-day lives. I don't mean anything horrific, but someone who's not acting like a mensch. And then we're play, somebody cuts you off in a, you know, not an accident, but someone does something that's, that's offensive, says something that's offensive. All of that, forget their own li- personal liability and, and, and responsibility, but all of that, everything is orchestrated for me for right now. And the question is, what am I going to do about it? God is, there's a lot of stuff that's happening. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to suggest that God has, has, has no, nothing to do. I think God's staying busy. <laughs> but we have a full-time job. And God's not going to take that away. Because if he took that away, honestly, then, then, then what do we do? Uh, it's the eternal question. Especially when you get into evil. How, how, can, evil, how can evil happen? That, 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 again, that's... I could never posit to say... 
you know, you know who asked that question? At the end of last, this past week's Torah portion, yesterday, in synagogues around the world, we read, Moses, say to God, right at the end of Shmos, Lama hareos, lama zeh. Why have you done evil to this people? You know what God says? Just, just, just wait. Just hold on. It's going to get better. Does God answer it? Doesn't answer it. You can answer why? God's anything is not our anything. <laughs> God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Yeah. So, okay. so Rabbi? Yeah. What actually uh, changes from before creation once we overcome, <clears throat> you know, transform this uh, <clears throat> potential evil into goodness? <clears throat> is there a change that happens in the spiritual uh, to, to anti- anything spiritually? And if so, is that, you know, does that mean that God changes or... God is. Uh, God. God doesn't change. God doesn't. That's for sure. For sure, that God doesn't change. Um, is there an effect spiritually? Yes. I'll quote the. I believe Zohar. Tukuni Zohar. Kat istalik. You Kat istal. No. Kat the Says kat It's Aramaic. Kat istalik. When we hold. When we hold back the sitrach. That means the other side. Istalik, yukar, the kuchabricha b'chulamen, then the glory of Hashem is revealed and manifest in all the worlds. So there's absolutely a spiritual effect to our holding something back, even small. Like we wanted to say something and we didn't, we like withheld ourselves or wanted to do something that's, you know, not becoming of our, and we, we held ourselves back. Istalik, yukar, the kuchabricha b'chulamen, it creates a, a mega effect spiritually in the, whole, in the whole universe. And that absolutely has an effect. I thought you were going to ask something else as you started the question. I thought you were going to say, does that transform us? The answer is yes and no. There is a transformation that happens, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't expect the same temptation challenge to manifest itself the next moment. I don't even say the next day, the next moment. We, are, we should never feel like we're in the clear. Like, okay, we got this. We've, we've mastered this. We're no longer susceptible. That's the worst feeling that a person can have. That sense of um, not only complacency, the sense of... Um, Comfort, not comfort. The sense of um, false security. That false sense of security, that's uh, one thing we know is that the Nisyanists do not stop. The Nisyanists are tests. The tests do not stop. Tests, I mean, the, the challenges from without and within, they do not stop. And if we believe that we've conquered it, that makes us the most vulnerable. The most vulnerable we can be is taking our eye off of the potential. Anyway. So, so change, change has happened. In, in, have we uh, come up with a, uh, a theory of, of actually why God needed this change to happen? Or, or what benefit? Or if there's no it's benefit? Good, it's a good question. It's the next. You're asking, so why does God want all this in the first place? So I'll tell you what the Alter Rebbe said, the founder of Chabad. He said in Yiddish, if a is can cash in it. The phrase in, Kab- in, in Kabbalah and Chassidus is, it's actually from the Medrash. It's not even from Kabbalah. It's from the Medrash. It says, God desired to have a home, to be at home in this world, which means in the world and also in the body. Like, God wanted a home. And the Alter Rebbe said, this is God's desire. That's what the Medrash says. So the Alter Rebbe said, if a taiva is king it, you can't ask a question on a desire. Why do you like this? Why do you want this? So the short answer is, we don't know why. We know what, we don't know why. 
Why did God want this? Why was God not happy with angels? Why did God have to create this world with this darkness, that body so low and then infuse a soul so that we should get it right? Who cares? It's like asking somebody, do you like vanilla or chocolate ice cream? And they say chocolate ice cream. Why? If a tithes can cash it, you can't ask a question on a, on a, on a desire, what you like. What you like is what you like. Now I understand this sounds like we're humanizing God. Fine. So with all apologies, I'm just giving, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you any, anything original from me. I'm just telling you what it says in the sources. If a tithes can cash it, you can't ask a question on a tithe. On a, I mean, you could ask a question, but you're not really going to get an answer, an intelligible answer about why did God want this? What we know is what? The why? Maybe when we're on the other side. May, you know, God, God can answer that question. If God lets us know, we'll know. I mean, perhaps uh, the greatest, uh, one of the greatest uh, attributes of God is to create independent aspects of itself. Right. And then those uh, independent aspects, instead of uh, completely rebelling, um, they perfect themselves. Yeah. They, you know what? We could rebel, but we like you, so we're going to uh, right. uh, work with you. Yeah, it's, it, it sounds plausible. But, I, you know, it's, yeah, I think we run the danger of, of humanizing it a little too much. But I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, I can't say no. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna, we're going to close it out. All right. Good to see everybody. Yeah. We'll see you guys. Have a wonderful week, Shavuot Tov. Um, check, check the website for more classes that are coming up. I mentioned the meditation class. There's actually a meditation session online with um, Rabbi Label Wolf from Australia, live from Australia, Melbourne. That's going to be January 11th. We have a new course called, uh, with Mrs. Nomi Freeman, called How to Think Like a Hasidic Master. A lot of really cool spiritual stuff coming up. I think January is the month of, like, spirituality. Like, all the, all the class and events turned out to be, like, very spiritual stuff. So I think kind of, kind of, sort of. Yeah, you could tune in. There's a lot of Zoom stuff. Check out the website. I think you'll like it. <laughs> all right. Well, good to see everybody. Shavuot Tov. Be well. Take care, all. Somebody all right. Here? Okay, I just